Thank you for joining another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. Today's episode is called From Tijuana to Netflix. In this episode, I have the great pleasure of meeting the editor for the Netflix series, Narcos. Our guest today is Joaquin Elizondo, who is currently the editor for this popular series. He shares insight on his convoluted path to the Midwest and how he almost dropped out of school to now being on a project that he loves extremely. I had a great conversation with Joaquin Elizondo. Stay till the end and find out his favorite movies that inspired him. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back to the audience to another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. Today, I have the great pleasure of bringing to you a wonderful individual. His name is Joaquin Elizondo. Some of you might know who he is. He's a, a, an interesting fellow. He's the founder of Hollywood Editing Mentor most recently. He has been with Telemundo. He was the assistant editor of The Day I Met El Chapo. And most recently, he's the editor of the Netflix series, Narcos. Welcome, Joaquin Elizondo, to Success Innovation. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, Asano. Thanks for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here talking with you today. Thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And uh, briefly, before we started recording, you and I were talking about, you know, that you're from Chula Vista, you were born in Chula Vista, and you live for your whole childhood for the most part in Tijuana and then at the age of 18 you went to the University of Michigan but I want to ask you yeah. if you can kind of walk us through your early childhood you know what are your experiences growing up in Tijuana leading up to you going over to the University of Michigan and how that transition in Michigan happened yeah, so I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I, like you said, I, I was born in Chula Vista and, and pretty much lived in Tijuana up until I was 18 years old. Um, I, just like everyone in this region, live kind of like this bicultural life, you know, just always from a, especially from an early age, was always, you know, exposed to, you know, American media, you know, so I always had access to, you know, American films, uh, you know, TV shows, radio stations. So, it, you know, I was always listening to English language, you know, music. Uh, you know, I was, we had access to all the blockbuster films. Right. Uh, that, Living you know, in uh, Tijuana, it's, it's, it's right, it's a border town. It's right, exactly. right, right south of the border. And even though you're in Mexico, the, you know, the, the airwaves per se still cross. There's no border. Exactly. So you can exactly. turn your TV to an English channel news broadcast. Right. And if yes. I live in Chula Vista, I can tune into, you know, the Tijuana Spanish station, be it radio or be it uh, television. And, you know, we're very influenced and bicultural in that sense. And then, but mm -hmm. how was your childhood growing up in Tijuana as far as elementary school, middle school, and then high school? I, I'm assuming you did all of those over there, right? Yeah, well, actually, I went to school all through, you know, from elementary, middle school, and high school in, in, in Chula Vista, you know, so I was crossing the, you know, the border uh, every day. Uh, but, you know, going to, going to school in Chula Vista, which is the town, kind of first main town, like right after you cross the border, I mean, it's like you're, you know, my, 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 my schools were always, what, you know, 90% Hispanic or Mexican, you know, so, um, you know, that's what I grew up with up, up until I went to Michigan, which was the complete opposite of that. <laughs> All right. So now, um, now, yeah. now we get to Michigan. So, you know, yeah. in, in the West Coast, for, for those of you who are watching and know with the West Coast, San Diego is sunny 360 days, 360 <laughs> days out of the year. Those four I leave out because sometimes it's a little cloudy and a little cold. When I say cold, yeah. it's about 65-ish, you know, 55, 58, somewhere around there. And that's cold for San Diego weather. But yeah. now we're in Michigan, Joaquin. How was that transition, first of all, weather-wise, and then the culture shock? How was that? It was, it was instant culture shock. I mean, I think once I, I literally, when I got there, when I landed and went to my dorm room, I think within the first day or two, I was already looking at how to move back. I mean, it was that quick where I was feeling, this is, I do not belong here. 
What made, um, what, what made you feel that way in a couple of days' time? <laughs> there was no one that looked like me around me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a good, you know, think about this. Like, you're going from, you know, Tijuana and, I mean, Mexico and also a, a heavily, you know, Hispanic, you know, uh, heavily, you know, Hispanic populated town like such as San Diego or, or Chula Vista, I should say, where suddenly you go to the Midwest in Michigan and it's like, there's no one that looks like you. Um, what was and it that I, you missed the most? What was it that you missed the most? The food. <laughs> the food? Okay, the food. No, it really, you know, the food is a very important thing. I mean, food is very important, and uh, I, I miss that a lot. But, I mean, it was the first time I was away from my family. I'm very close to my family. And so being so far away was, it, it really hit me when I was there. And, and just, again, that I just did not familiarize or was not feeling, you know, no one really looked like me. Everything was just so unfamiliar. It was, I was not used to any of it, and I was so far away from home that it, I was really scared. I was really questioning my decision, and like I said, within the first couple of days, I was already looking to how to transfer to another, uh, I should say specifically, San Diego State University, because I just wanted to come back home. How, how did you manage to, because you said you were looking for a way to come back within a couple of days' time, mm -hmm. maybe a week or so. Yeah, and was what the was the semester already starting, or this this is right before the semester started? And how did you manage to to decide to stay through the four years that you did there? Yeah, it was um uh, yes, the semester had started. I mean, we were like you know, if I landed on a Friday, we started classes on Monday, right? Uh, the reason I this, I will never forget this. The reason the one thing that made me comfortable in this at least I was able to give it a chance was I met a guy in my dorm hall, in my, the floor, from Nicaragua. And he spoke Spanish. And that, set, and that just calmed me down so much that that is the reason why I gave Michigan a chance. Wow. And, then, and, so, and so I said to myself, okay, like, at least there's someone in this floor that speaks Spanish and we can understand each other. Then that gave me a chance and I, I gave it a chance. And then so little by little, then I started, you know, just being more open to, you know, meeting other people, you know, and, uh, and just being more, I guess, I don't know if you want to say open-minded, but, you know, just giving it a chance and, like I said, accepting or just, you know, uh, just getting, uh, you know, being able to, to, to kind of just talk to other people. I was just used to so many, literally having just surrounded by, you know, my Mexican community, and then suddenly it was quite the opposite, and that was a big culture shock. Okay. I, it was, it was, it was mostly because it just, I did not, uh, you know, it was hard. I missed home. <clears throat> I couldn't identify really with anyone. Um, it was just, a, it was just scary, but I just had to, I knew that once I, like I said, met this guy and I felt comfortable, I knew that I just had to give it a chance. Okay. I had to just say, Hey, like, you know, you need to just at least just give it time and, and you're new here and give it a chance, try it. Okay. But that, like I said, meeting that person at least just calmed me down and made me realize that. Okay. So we were in the fall semester right and yeah then winter hits in michigan well that's the thing yeah. <laughs> how did you handle that because you know i see it in the movies i've i've tr i've been able and fortunate enough to travel because of work to areas during the winter time and i personally do not enjoy the snow and i cannot imagine uh other californians san diegans chula vistans for that matter, living in an area where there's snow for the whole winter. I mean, I enjoy, I tell, I tell my wife and my family, you know, I enjoy snow when it's on TV. Well, that's, that's yeah. as good as it gets. Because exactly. I was talking to a fellow a couple, a couple, a while back, and he's from the back, he's from back east or Midwest. And he was telling me, and I don't know this for, you know, I don't know this. And, and this is unbeknownst to me because he was saying that there's a special little liquid that you have to spray on the car for the key to enter. And before you actually unlock it so that you don't break any of the internal mechanisms because it's below freezing. And sometimes the metals inside, you know, freeze enough that they're mm -hmm. so brittle that they can crack. I mean, to me, that was incredible because having to worry about scraping your windshield plowing enough to to get out warming the car up more than five minutes it's incredible but how did you 
how did you take that first winter, the full-blown winter in Michigan? The first one, I mean, the first winter, it was honestly, I was looking forward to it because in the sense that I had never been around, lived in snow. And so it was exciting. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first, I, remember, I still remember vividly the day, the first day that we had snow, that my first, uh, that, you know, my first winter there. Because a lot of us came from, were from, not from Michigan. And so we came from towns or places that we did not have snow. So we were extremely excited. But trust me, that excitement only lasted one winter. The rest of the other three years, I was, it was not as exciting. Right, no, <laughs> and, and for sure. Yeah, and so, it, no, I mean, in the Midwest, especially in Michigan, the winters are, I mean, it is, it is cold. I mean, it is a, it's frigid. It is bad. Right. Uh, the wind chill, wind chill can get you down to like in the negative, you know, negative, you know, what is it, negative 20 or something like, you know, wind chill factor or right. whatever it is. And, uh, um, and there's also, you know, just kind of fast forwarding a little bit. I, I, when I, same reason why New York, what I, I just could not stay in New York as well because of the, of the weather. I just, I, I can't handle, I cannot extreme. handle extreme weather. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I cannot, I know that I cannot leave California anymore. <laughs> no. It's just, I gotta, you know, it's like I realize, it's like I gotta be true I mean, to myself. You, you just, you just made up, you know, you just accepted it and said, you know, yeah. I tried it, I gave it a shot and it's not no. happening. I it's not happening. Not, yeah, it's not happening. So <laughs> let's, let's, what, no, you took what you double majored. You did film and video editing. How did yes. you decide to go into that career? Was going to college and pursuing a career in a university level something that was instilled in you by your family from an early age? And what prompted you to choose film and video editing? Yes, uh, from from my from my earliest memories, uh, my family always uh, instilled in me to go to college. I mean, I, I it, that was I think what I was. I mean, I, I, that was my mission as a kid. Like I was, I, I knew that that's that was my mission. Growing going through mid, elementary school, middle school, high school, my goal was to go to a university. I, that's how much my family instilled that in me. Um, so much so, like I remember. Um, you know, I, my uncle used to live in, my uncle lived in New York for many years, so I would go visit him. Uh, he took me to Yale University at a, at a very young age to, to just be there. I wanted to go to Yale as a kid. And so um, he took me to Yale. I went to go to Yale and like, I, just, I was there on campus and just to, I mean, that's how much they wanted me, you know, like I, they helped me to want me to achieve my dreams was to say, hey, we're going to take you to Yale as you can see it as a kid. I, I, was, a, I was a child. My uncle went to Syracuse University out of New York. I went to Syracuse to hang out with him. I mean, I was, to me, going to a big university was a big deal. And it was a, definitely something that uh, was instilled in me as a, as a, I mean, forever, you know? And so, yeah, when I, when I graduated high school, I, I mean, I applied to many schools. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I went to, through the UC system, UCLA, UC Berkeley, UC Santa Barbara, UC San Diego, I applied to UT Austin, uh, University of Michigan, uh, Syracuse University. Uh, in the end, I, it, in the end, it was between UT Austin and um, University of Michigan. The reason I went to Michigan was because I got uh, financial assistance in the form of scholarships and grants. And so I just, you know, I went to University of Michigan and also because it was, I wanted to go, I just had a, I wanted to go to, get away from California. I wanted to live at, I wanted to go to that big university college, you know, football, like, you know, school. That was what I wanted to do. And so uh, I went to Michigan. It was the complete opposite of California. And that's what drew it, drew, you know, it was such a big draw for me. I just always, I always kind of go, felt that I always went against the grain in my life. Even now, I just always kind of like whatever is, you know, the opposite, I kind of lean towards that a lot of times. Right. And certainly Michigan was that. Um, and, um, and so it was great. And initially, I went to Mich- when I went to Michigan, I wanted to uh, major in computer science. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that's what I, 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 wanted to, uh, I went to Michigan to major in computer science because I wanted to work in computer graphics in films and special, you know, CGI, visual effects. That's what I wanted to do. When I got to... Uh, Michigan in my first year in, in doing computer science, uh, I, I did not do well and I just did not connect with it. I was just not connect. I was just, it wasn't for me. I was really always very bad at math. I never enjoyed it. And I quickly realized that computer science was not just, was not going to be for me. After that, I, I started going through, you know, should I go study business? Should I study kinesiology? You know, all these careers that I was going through, I was like, what do I do? 
I knew that I always had, my family was always very into the arts. You know, my, my grandpa was a photographer. My uncle was a photographer. They were always into music, into cinema. I, was, I grew up around the arts since I was a child. I never knew that I could make a career out of it, that I could make a living out of, say, you know, uh, working in TV or, you know, or I just didn't know that. Ex I just didn't know that that was a career. I, I always loved, you know, being the, the kid with the camera, shooting videos. I would make my you know, home movies. I was that guy, right, at school. But I never knew that that was an actual career. That it would and pay so, for the bills, it would pay exactly. For, it, would, it would pay exactly. the mortgage, and that you could do it for thirty plus years and then retire from it. Uh, no, it, that was not, I, even like, at the point when I was in Michigan. I just still did not. It was a major, like it was a it was a major, but I just right. didn't think that that would give me the life that I wanted to live. So how um, did you how did you stumble upon it? And I mean, obviously it was a major, but how did you say, all right, well, let's give it a shot at film uh, and video editing? How did you decide to go that route? Uh, there, it was one moment that changed my life and, 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 and when I realized that I should pursue this. Uh, for, first of all, like, I, I, I always loved cinema. I always loved the movies. I loved, cre I was always creative. You know, I was always, like I said, I was the guy with the handy cam and, you know, I just simply did not know that that was a career. But I loved it. I would even do, say, my, I used to record like my own radio shows at home you know, interviewing friends, you know, I just, in media to me was just, I loved it. So again, I'll repeat, like, I just never knew it was career. So when I got to Michigan, I remember one day I was out in the hallway at my dorm and I called my grandma and I was having like a mini crisis, just did not know what to do. I was missing home and I just did not know what I was going to major in. And I said to my grandma, I said, I really want, I wish I could do film and media, but I just don't think that I will make any money. Like really, that's what I, to me, I had money, I think also so much, in, you know, I just, to me, that meant success, you know, at that point in my life. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I said to my grandma, I said, you know what? I want to do this, but I don't think I'll make any money off it. My grandma said, if it makes you happy, you should pursue it. Right. If that's what's going to make you happy, then that's what you should do. Right. And I went and majored in film and TV because of what my grandma said. Wow. And that's, that's, wow. That's, that's what, that's what, that's what, that's, and I, I realized that, you know, if it is what makes me happy and, and money, maybe not, you know, if I can make money, I'll make money. And, but the bottom line, if that is what makes me happy, then that's what I should do. And so then I went ahead and, and, and double majored in, in film and video and communications. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. You know, that's uh, mm -hmm. for the audience. We could possibly end the show right now with that advice, <laughs> but you know, uh, that those words from your grandma, she was talking from experience. Because she Absolutely. Knew that, oh my God, if you pursue the money, you could get into an engineering computer science career, get a, a well enough paying job, but you would be miserable for the rest of your life. And you would work Absolutely. from a company and go into another company, into another job, and you would continue being miserable, getting paid, why not? But it would not make you happy. And you would not really? enjoy your life. So she was saying, you know mm -hmm. what? If it if you're happy by you know filming and editing and making the stories come to life in the big screen or whatever, follow that, and somehow the money will follow you to the audience. If you're listening to this, this advice also applies to you. I know that some of the students that I talk to, some of the young professionals that I talk to, they're worried about the first paying job, the first paying career what they could do, what college they could do to pursue what career. And some of them say, well, I'm looking for an engineering job because it pays well. You know, I always tell them the same thing that your grandma told you. I say, you know, mm -hmm. don't follow the money. Follow, listen to your heart and go and pursue what you really want to do. If it's editing, if it's writing, if it's, you know, if it's uh, being a nurse, if it's being an entrepreneur, jump into that because you will definitely give it your 110% all the time versus following the money where, you know, you'll do it just because of the money. And at some point you'll get tired of it. And you know, the money is not really happiness. That's awesome. That's great. So you're at Michigan, you know, you're at the university of Michigan. Did you have any internships while you were there? Did you even know what an internship was at that time? 
<laughs> no, I, I, I did not. I didn't. And, and honestly, just because I went in, you know, I was majoring in, in, in film and TV and communications. Um, like I said, I was always really just into media, like in, just in general, radio, television, film. Like I did not uh, even know that I was wanting to get into film. Like I just, I love media. Like I had a radio show on the uh, college campus. I was always really into radio and audio and music um, that came from my family. And so uh, my last two, I think uh, during the last two years in Michigan, I got uh, an internship in San Diego with a company called mp3.com. So this was at the time when Napster came out oh, and the whole mp3 uh, movement was happening, <laughs> you know, in the, in the, in like around 2000, right? This and so, is, yeah, this is right, right at the late nineties, early 2000s. Yeah. Before, before that whole Napster fiasco came out be, when they were exactly. ripping music off and whatnot. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So I got a, an internship for two summers with a company called mp3.com that was based out of La Jolla. And, you know, it was great. I was working with one of those, you know, you know, startup tech, tech companies and I was in music and, you know, honestly, initially, I think I really had that radio bug in me. Like I really wanted to do radio. Uh, and, and I had a show on, like I said, on college campus. It was great. And, um, you know, I just knew I wanted to be creative and just kind of have a, be able to project a message, uh, you know, whether it be through, through, through photography, film, you know, editing whatever radio but i was definitely you know i was i played in, in a college band you know i was in a in a death metal band and so uh you know i just had a thing for um just music and audio and that type of side of media for at least up until the time that i graduated from from college so you graduate and then you go to telemundo and then you move on to some other ventures and then we have we come to you being the assistant editor of the day i met el chapo Right? How did yeah. you come into that venture? That's a very interesting story, and I and this is, um, you know, it really also changed my career. You know, you have these moments in your life where it takes just one person to kind of right. open the, you know, point you the other direction or open this other door, and it's, it completely called, changes your life. It's called the power of networking. Yeah. So you know, I've been, you know, to that point where I got the opportunity with the day element of Chapo, I mean, that you're talking about like from the day we started working in Telemundo, that's, you know, 13 years of till I, you know, got to that opportunity. Um, when I, so when I was in, just to kind of quick backstory, when I got to LA, I was in New York, I was, had a very successful career as an editor in New York. I moved to LA and I was overly confident. I, I felt that I was just going to move to LA and gonna be like, ah, yeah, I just had a successful career in New York. I'm going to work here in LA. No problem. Uh, that was not the case. LA was very difficult. Every, LA is a very competitive town and, and no one knew my name and I did not really work for a whole year in, in LA. I did not work. Um, I could not find any work. And so finally, I, you know, I was willing to take, I wanted to eventually, I, when I got to LA, I wanted to make a transition uh, to Hollywood scripted television shows and films, right? That is, you know, it's important to tell people that, that working in that, in that realm, in that area, versus say documentaries or news or promote, promos or commercials, they're two different industries and it's very difficult to say, go from, from what is not scripted, you know, say like, you know, anything that's news or reality shows and to jump over to Hollywood feature films, that's a very difficult process um, because people think that, you know, it's just, uh, you can't do the job and you know, you don't have the right experience and it's just very competitive. Um, so I, I decided that I was going to pursue that transition. Um, when, so what I said to myself was that I was willing to do whatever it took to, to work in Hollywood, you know, so that meant I was willing to work for free. I was willing to be a, a production assistant, whatever it took, but as long as it was a film, right? Something that would give me the right experience. When the day I met El Chapo came up, it was a documentary. But it was a documentary for Netflix. And I, even at that time, Netflix was still kind of, it was still in its early stages. So, you know, working for Netflix was a big credit. It's just, if you put that on your resume, it, you know, it meant a lot, you know, and it still does, you know. But so uh, when I, I applied for the, the position of an editor on uh, the Day I Chapel, I did not get the position of assistant editor. Then I applied as an assistant editor. I did not get that position. At that okay, okay. I was like, wow, 0 for 2. Okay. And then a week later, the uh, vice president of post-production for that 
company calls me and says, hey, you know, I know you wanted to be an editor, you want to be an assistant editor, but you know what? I have this position of a post-production coordinator, okay. which is, you know, in the, in the, in the, you know, you know, in the hierarchy or whatever, like it's, it, it's, it's, it's one of the lower kind of bottom tier positions, just kind of more entry level, you know? Right. And he said, and he said, I, you might not be interested in it, but in, I understand if you're not, and if you're not, do you know anyone that is? And at that time, my, my girlfriend at that time, and I was, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to take it. Like, you know, that's not what I want to do. And it's, it's below what I want to do. It's, it's a documentary. It's not even when I, you know, and my, at, at that time, my girlfriend said, Hey, you, you have no work. You don't, you have no network in LA. You don't know anyone. You need to be in a office. You need to meet people and you need to make money. <laughs> so, 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 so stop, you know, you know, being so picky and go take the damn job. Right. And I right. said, fine, I'll take the job. Okay. That job eventually promoted me to assistant editor. Uh-huh. And that job is the reason that I got to work on Narcos Mexico. Oh, wow. That job led me to that. So if I had never taken that job, I would have never got to Narcos Mexico. Wow. And that's the thing. Oh, what I say okay. is that when you think, I realized that when you think that some opportunities are going to lead to, you never know. You, you never know what's going to, what, what, what doors are going to open. You know, I would have never thought that that, that, that position, that job would lead me to the career that I had always desired. Wow. And that is that's, what opened the doors for me. And that's, that's and, you know, that's that. That's, but it was someone, it took, it took someone to open my eyes. And in, in, in this instance, it was at that time your girlfriend. I don't know if it's your girlfriend. wife now, but uh, it was your girlfriend that actually pushed you to actually take that position, which now leads you to be the editor of the show series called Narcos. And I want to ask you for the audience and for myself, have you met with Sean Penn and or Kate Del Castillo? Uh, Kato Castillo came around the offices a couple times. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so what? <laughs> I guess. Uh, I guess I know what you're gonna answer here. But what are some lessons that you've learned from working on the day I met El Chapo? And one of the big ones is never let any opportunity go by, regardless of how unappealing it might seem. Right. Exactly. I think I think what I learned and just from that experience and then all the previous things, you know, just my journey or my time in L.A. It was to really develop a plan or a strategy for your career to really analyze decisions that you're taking prior to that, you know, and going back to the money thing, you know, after after, you know, the conversation or the, what I said about, you know, my time at University of Michigan about thinking about money. Throughout my career after University of Michigan, I still thought about money. I was taking I was taking jobs simply for the paycheck. Whatever job, even though it was still in TV or whatever, to me the concern was just always how much is the rate? What's the rate? How much am I going to get paid? You right? were thinking, ¿cuál me, really paga más? ¿cuál me paga más? Which one's going to pay me more? Right? Yeah, and not really focusing on the actual work that I wanted to do. So, like these jobs that I would take, you know, I was never creatively satisfied. Sure. You could pay me all you wanted, but that money, what I realized just in life in general is that, again, money just doesn't bring, it didn't bring happiness. I mean, for me, someone who's very creative, that I did not, you know, I did not, uh, I was not satisfied by the amount of money that I was being paid. If I was working on a project that I did not believe in, you could not pay me enough to be there. Um, And so I met a very, uh, you know, an Oscar winning, uh, screenwriter director uh, Cameron Crowe and he said to me uh, I, I got to interview him for a project I was doing and he told me a big piece of advice that it goes kind of what we were talking about earlier he said when you when you stop making it about the money it is when opportunities will start opening up for you and that what that meant for me was that I needed to now focus on the the work that I wanted to do, what was really going to make me happy in this case was films, you know, scripted TV shows, not news, not commercials. Those things were not what I wanted. I wanted to work in films. So I needed to pursue those projects. And if I needed to work on say low budget independent projects that were not paying me, uh, you know, a lot of money, but was giving me a lot of satisfaction creatively, 
then that's what I needed to do. I needed to put the money aside and focus on the creativity, you know, and, and meeting people, uh, meet, making connections in the film industry, you know, uh, learning the right experience. And so the money will eventually come, he said. Mm -hmm. That will happen. As long as you follow your path and what makes you happy, the money will come eventually. It's not gonna happen maybe right away, but it'll happen because you're doing what you enjoy and what you love and then that money will follow you. Mm -hmm. And he was completely right. I mean, you know, I just learned then eventually to then, what I learned was that I was more strategic about the decisions that I, 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 I took or made when it came to finding jobs. So it was like, well, okay, if an opportunity came up, it's like, well, what, what is this gonna lead me to? Who am I gonna meet? It wasn't just about saying, hey, I'll just take the, I'll just take the job because the money is great. It was like, well, where is it gonna lead me to? So having more of a plan or strategy and thinking about things uh, was something that I learned also just from, again, up until when I was working on the Dia Middle Chapel, mm -hmm. because you have to think of like, where is this going to take you? It might not be monetary. It might not be that you're making money, mm -hmm. but the value is in the experience or the experience, the people that you're meeting. I was working on a Netflix show. I mean, that, that show, the, the fact that I had a Netflix credit on my resume just opened up doors in general. Mm -hmm. So sure, was I making money? Not as much, but, it, but you know, I had opened other uh, doors. There was value somewhere else. Right. I, tend, I, I think we tend to focus so much on value and success and being about money. And that is not the case. I, I, for me, I don't think, I, I don't believe that. Right, no, and you learn that by talking to somebody with experience and now exactly. you didn't know this because you were pursuing money for such a long time and i guess for a lot of young students and a lot of young professionals that's exactly what they're focusing on because that's what society has instilled in all of us to pursue the money to go for the bigger position the bigger job to where you get paid the most but once again we go back to if you're not fully satisfied, you could get paid a million dollars and you would not be happy. <laughs> you don't learn that until you have some experience. So I guess, I guess, yeah, that makes a lot of sense after a while. So now that you're the editor of Narcos, you know, um, I want to ask you, why is this some, is it a personal preference to focus on this sort of themes for you? Is it, is it, or, or, or is it just because that's the way that the, 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 the marble fell and that's what you're doing? Because it is scripted TV, it is series, and that's what you like. And it just happens that you're in that genre at this point, and that's why you continue to do it. Or is it just, what's the reason behind you doing the Day of El Chapo and then following through with Nauticals? Yeah, well, I mean, that just happened, you know, like I said, like, you know, you know the Day of El Chapo led to Narcos because someone found me, someone found my name. You know, you know, someone knew that I was working on the Dia Middle Chapo and that, that was a producer from Narcos and then somehow, you know, he got a hold of my name and that's how the connection came about. Um, and so I stuck around with Narcos uh, for now, you know, you know, two seasons um, because they've, uh, well, I mean, even before that, I was a fan of the show. So I, I'm lucky to work on one of my favorite shows. Um, and so it, it's the one that has treated me well and I love the people there. We're a great, we're a family. Um, they have given me so many opportunities and I just love the show. Um, but yes, I, I try to make an effort and I think everyone who works in this industry as an editor or as a creative, it's important to not get uh, pigeonholed into a certain genre. So yes, I mean like eventually, you know, it's, I, I do want to work on other genres. You know, I want to do a comedy. I want to do other dramas. You know, I want to, you know, horror, whatever. I guess I'm someone that likes to explore different things. So I have to be conscious of, you know, to not get pigeonholed into just one genre. I'm there right now because that is what has, you know, given me opportunities. And, right. and I do love, I love the people there and it's my family. And, you know, but yes, it's, uh, you know, I do want to explore other genres. Right. For sure. And uh, this question for me, uh, how would you suggest young viewers of the series understand that this is only a representation based on facts, but not to idolize the way of life. I don't know if that makes any sense. Totally. No, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, um, it, I think, you know, it, you know, in the end it's, it's entertainment, right? That's right. what you have to understand yes. that it's entertainment, right? But, but, you know, it is, you know, I think the show, especially 
that it has such a documentary, a big aspect to it. You know, if you ever watch the show, it, it, there has, it has, you know, documentary segments in it, which tells you, explains to you that, hey, you know what, this is based on real life, right? Right. And so these are, you know, the reality is that, you know, so I think so I was trying to expose that, you know what, hey, like, yeah, there are these bad people, there are these cartels doing it, but you know what, there's also the government is involved. Like, there's, right. there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of shady business going around, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, and that is, you know, it's, it, you know, I, obviously a lot of stuff gets, you know, it is, like I said, again, it is, it is a TV show and, and maybe some things are, you know, overly, you know, kind of, you know, sensationalized or, you know, dramatized and, yeah. you know, it's part of it. That's what it is. Um, but, you know, a lot of it is based on reality. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just kind of, you know, showing that, you know, what this is, this is the, what is happening literally around us every day. You know, I grew up, I grew up in Tijuana, you know, I'm here right now. Um, you know, when I, you know, they know I'm from Tijuana and I tell them, yeah, you know, I, I grew up, you know, you know, I grew up in the time of the Arellanos. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I, you know, I, we all knew at schools, someone involved in that, or you saw them at the nightclubs. I mean, like that is the, the life that I grew around. Not, right. I didn't participate in it. I'm just right. saying that in Tijuana. It was widely known. It was widely well known. I mean, not saying that. I was, you know, I grew up in this area too, but I wasn't involved, but you knew people that knew people right. and they say, oh, that guy belongs to whatever cartel or whatever, yeah, or, you know, you know. It, it just kind of happens and it's common knowledge, but you tend to keep to yourself and go live your life and let them do their thing. So, but I, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what it was. And, and I, the question is not meant to judge the show or anything. It's just no. to bring forth, um, and emphasize to young individuals that, you know, there's things do happen and the job is a job and it gives you experience as Joaquin Elizondo and you do have other passions. And that's mainly why I asked the question. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, now that, uh, how has this path in this series allow you to grow further at this point? Well, uh, you know, well, in the, in the sense that uh, I've grown in, uh, as a storyteller. You know, because in, 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 you know, as, as an editor, you, what you really are, you're a storyteller. Okay. And so um, I spent so much, so many years uh, working in other areas of, say, editing or post-production, which was like, you know, news, like I said, uh, documentaries, reality shows, talk shows, stuff like that, which is, you know, you're, you're telling a story. In, in the end, you're just telling a story, whatever you work in. It's just a different way of telling it. And so when you're working now in you know, and say in scripted TV shows or in feature films, um, it's just a different way of telling a story. So it's more about like me kind of now, be, you know, switching my brain and, and saying, this is what I'm pursuing now. And now how do I just progress now as a, as a better storyteller in the scripted TV world and feature film world, you know? Um, and so as a show like Narcos, that is, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, very, it's challenging in a sense that it's, it's a show that relies a lot on editing. It's very heavy on post-production. And so, um, yes, I definitely grown as a storyteller uh, on that show because it is a big scale show. It's a big show. It's a big show with, you know, big action scenes and we're on location, you know, in Mexico. It's, it's a huge production. So, 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 some of the, so most of the filming is on location in some, some of the town of Tijuana. Is that where it happens or where do you Yeah. Yeah, Narcos Mexico is, is shot on location completely uh, in Mexico, around Mexico. But it's a show that, you know, part of the 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 the, the look of it, or, or like you know why it looks the way it looks, is because it's all shot on actual locations okay. in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Now we go into Hollywood editing mentor. You launched that, I'd say about you know, four months ago or so when the pandemic of the COVID-19 hit, why, what was the catalyst for this venture to happen? How did that, how did this idea actually spark into action? Because we all have an idea and we're like, okay, well, I'll do it later. And later mm -hmm. sometimes never comes. So there's gotta be a right. catalyst. So how did that happen for you? Yeah, so the pandemic hit, we, you know, I was working on a, on a, on a I was working uh, we stopped working and suddenly, you know, I'm unemployed like a lot of people. And I said to myself, well, uh, you know, I have a lot of free time and I, 
I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I read, I think, I, I honestly had read someone's like Instagram and someone put like quotes, like inspirational quotes and whatever. I remember like someone put like, you know, some quote said like, if, you know, or something like, if you don't come out of this pandemic, like learning something or doing something new, like you've, <laughs> you, it's not that it was like, it's not that you don't have, it's not that you don't have time. It's like, you just don't have discipline or motivation. Okay. And I was like, that is so true. Okay. Because we always complain about that we don't have time. Like, there's no way I can say now I don't have time. Like, no, man, if you don't have time now, it's like, there's something else wrong with you. You know, like, it's not about time. I was like, okay, I need to do something. So initially, to me, I started doing like, all right, I want to learn more about investing. Like, in, you know, investing in the stock market. Okay, so I'm going to learn that. And then I want to learn new software. Okay, so I started learning new software. And then I was like, well, you know, I've been... Now that I've been working in Hollywood, in the past year or so, I've had people um, reach out to me through social media and friends of friends and ask me for advice. Okay. Like just, hey, like, hey, hey, how do I, how can I, I want to work in films, I want to work on Narcos like, or shows like Narcos, what advice can you give me? So I had been doing that. So I'm like, well, you know, so many people help me and I understand the struggles um, about, say, trying to break into Hollywood and I just know all the mistakes that I've made I've known, like, again, going back to this conversation about money, you know, I want to help people because a lot of people helped me and I went through so many mistakes that I can, I, I, I just love being like, hey man, like I, you know, I did all this. I had all these, made all these mistakes. I learned from them and now I want you, you know, I'm going to save you time and, 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 and stress by just telling you, hey, don't do this. You know, right? I just want to, bottom line, I just want to help people. So I said, um, I just said, hey, well, this is a good moment to, to, to start a website to where I'll mentor people and give advice. And so one thing that I knew that I w did not want to do was I, I did not want to wait till things were perfect till I had everything figured out. Okay. I just said, hey, I'm going to buy the URL, the name, the web address, and I'm going to start building it. I'm just going to start building. I'm going to go and I'm, I'll figure it out as I go. I don't know where this is going, but I'll figure it out. Okay. And that's, okay. and that's, and then, so I just started building it. I started making content. You know, I started doing videos. Um, you know, I started reaching out to people. I started doing my one-on-one. -on -one. I had my, I have my one-on-one -on -one, uh, clients that I work with. Right. Um, you know, I eventually now have a podcast. I'm now, you know, now I'm at a point where people reach out to me and they want me to be part of their organization. Like this thing is growing. Right. But right. this was something that, I just knew I wanted to help people. And I knew now that I have the time to, I knew I wanted to do something productive during this time. I couldn't just sit back and watch TV for during the pandemic. I can't, I, I'm not you, someone. You didn't, you didn't want to sit for four hours and watch Netflix? <laughs> no, I mean like, there's nothing wrong oh, yeah, with it, right? Yeah yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with it. But it's just like, for me, it's like, no man, I want to be, I want to, not even, if it wasn't Hollywood editing mentor, like I just simply, I want to come out of here learning a new skill. Like of I want to, yeah. This is the moment. This is such a historic moment. Yeah. You know, that only happens, I don't know how many hundreds of years. Right. Like, I need to do something different. Like, there's, it, come on, man. It, and it's yeah. a historic moment in a perfect time where we can all go virtual and you chose to jump into that bandwagon to go virtual, to go podcasting. You and I are doing this, you know, even though right. you live in Tijuana and I live in Chula Vista at this point and you're from Chula Vista, you know, we're still doing it virtual. We could, I right. could have told you, hey, you know, let's meet up and let's do this in person. I set up a microphone. We're side by side. But, you know, right now we're side by side because of Zoom. But, yes, you know, we're doing it virtual. So that's what this is for people to take advantage and come out with a winning mindset. So who is, who is your target audience? And you mentioned that you were trying to help them become better editors. But but who's your target audience? Is it young Latinos? Is it anybody that's interested in Hollywood? Is it high school students? Who's your target audience? Well, I think, you know, it, you know, it, it is called Hollywood Editing Mentor, right? And, and so I think, you know, initially it started out as, you know, targeting those people that had an interest in pursuing a career in post-production or editing or that were already in the industry and were looking to make progress, you know, to, to get, say, if you were, for example, an assistant editor that you wanted to get promoted to an editor, right? So that you're trying to move up in the, the career ladder. Really, then I realized that these concepts really apply really to any career, 
-hmm. You know, because what I talk about in my program, I push a lot of the soft skills. I push a lot of, you know, networking, relationship building, communication, time management, you know, all those things that I realize that is what has opened opportunities for me and has allowed me to progress in my career versus the hard skills like learning the software, you know, and those things, which are part of the job, but it's, you know, and you need, need, you, you do need to know them and you need to know what you're doing, obviously. Right. But I just think that we all can develop better soft skills. And, and, and that is what really is, I think, what will give you an opportunity. Right. Um, so that in general then applies to really, really what any industry, right? right. Yeah. Um, those concepts kind of apply to really whatever job that you, or whatever area you work in. Exactly. Um, Just, now, yeah. Right. Any, any job that you seek out, any career, you're always going to have to be able to communicate. You're always going to have to have those soft skills for customer service and be able to relate to your supervisor or manager or the higher up chain of command that, that you fall into. So I think that's what you're referring. And you mentioned networking, which is really key. And I mentioned it in other episodes with other guests and other, you know, mm -hmm. for young students and professionals, networking is very important. And if you don't know what networking is, essentially reach out to individuals and know them, but also allow them to know who you are so that in the future, if an opportunity opens up, you're on top of mind and they can definitely refer you for that position as well. So that opens doors for you as well. Um, so what has been the biggest obstacle with Hollywood editing mentors so far? Uh, you know, the biggest obstacle I think that has, you know, with the Hollywood editing mentor has been kind of, you know, trying to, define, you know, a, 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 a clear path, I suppose, because, you know, I, I've been just kind of, I have been just going for it, right? And I have been learning as I go. And so, which I have no regrets over, like, I'm glad I just went for it because I, if I feel like if I just kind of waited till things were perfect, I could have waited, I don't know how long, right? I'll never uh -huh. do it maybe, right? right? Yeah, right. So, you know, I guess, um, you know, that has, you know, just kind of been, and it's not even necessarily an obstacle, you know, but it's just kind of been, it's been a lot of work in the sense of like, okay, I'm trying to figure out what is it really that I want to really hone down what is it people want, right? Really make it something that applies to everyone because everyone has different challenges. Everyone comes from different backgrounds, you know, and so I can't make one say, you know, it's hard to make just one course or one something tailored to someone because everyone has, you know, like I said, a, a different experiences, different backgrounds. And so that's why, for example, with my one-on-one -on -one clients, it's all custom tailored, you know, to, you them. Know, uh, right. to them, right? So it's like, it, it's, that's why I like, you know, the one-on-ones because it's like, well, I, we can talk about exactly what it is that you are, are, de are struggling with and we can come up with a solution. Right. Um, so, you know, but it's not, you know, I've always had, you know, I've always been so comfortable with technology that, you know, that for example, getting things website, the other content to me, that's just fun to do it, right? That's not an obstacle, I, I already know it. It's more of, I had to learn more the social media aspect of things. Mm -hmm. I was, even though I do have my social media accounts, I just did not know about the marketing, the, the you know, how to promote yourself. That's been a learning process. And that's me just simply listening to a lot of podcasts, listening to the experts that, are, you know, they're successful doing this, all the kind of, you know, how to promote and how to get your message out through social media. That's been more of the biggest learning curve because it's not something that I was really familiar with. So the before. marketing and the social media has been more of the, has more been more of, of the, I would say, right? yeah, okay. yes. What, what's uh -huh. been the uh, biggest surprise so far? The biggest surprise for you through this uh, endeavor of Hollywood editing mentor? Well, just how many uh, people desire this or have been looking for something like this. I mean, I, you know, I've been, people have been reaching out to me from all over the world now. I mean, like from, I get calls from, you know, Brazil, Chile, Italy, you know, um, that are saying, Hey, you know, I am an editor in my country and I've been editing for, you know, whatever, how many years. And I just wish that I had something like this. That's what a lot of people say. I wish, especially the ones that I've been doing it for a while. I wish I had this when I was starting out, which is what I say personally, because I wish I had this okay. when I was trying to break into Hollywood. Right. So, 
to now from going from an idea that started, I launched it in May, to now that I'm, you know, part of, I'm speaking at panels, I'm speaking at film festivals, I'm now being asked to teach classes. I mean, like, it's just, I mean, mind-blowing to me that what this has grown to in several, a couple months. Right. Um, and how much it was needed, how much of a void it's feeling. Oh, that's, that's incredible. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. yeah. So what is the next step for Joaquin Elizondo? You know, you're an editor at Netflix. You have launched Hollywood editing mentor. You're indeed a successful individual. What exactly do you envision yourself moving towards? Are you, are you going to grow this Hollywood editing mentor a lot more? Are you going to continue developing your career as an editor within Netflix or some, somewhere else? Is that what you want to focus on or a combination of both? It's definitely a combination because I, I do not, you know, I, once I, when I started this Hollywood editing mentor program, I did not ever think of, I did not want to lose my editing career. Like I still want to grow as an, as an editor. I, I, I love it. It's my passion. And so to me, editing is something that I do not want to let go of. Um, so what I want to do, I want to grow my uh, editing career. You know, I want to work, say, on different types of genres and, 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 you know, obviously as an editor, I think you want to work on just, you want to work with good people and on interesting projects and that are fulfilling creatively. Um, and, and I think one thing that applies to both things, to both the, the mentorship program, Hollywood Editing Mentor and my editing career, is that I do want to be a, I do want to be a voice for Latinos in the entertainment industry. I, I, that's what I do want to do. And I share that view on both, like I said, the Hollywood editing mentor and just me as an editor. I want to show people uh, that there are Latinos out there working in this, that we can be successful and we can work in things that we enjoy. There are those opportunities. So I want to educate people, you know, from the, from go to schools and say, hey, this is an actual career that you can have. Right. And there are, because look at me, I did it. You know, I'm just a guy who grew up in Tijuana, Chula Vista, and, and I'm doing it now, which I never thought I could do it. Right. So it is possible. And also, me as an editor, in the workplace to say, hey, I am a Latino, I'm, you know, a Mexican, you know, from Tijuana, Chula Vista, that is working on these high-profile television shows and movies. That, that, are, yes, that, are, that are not can just local. It. That are not just local. They're national yeah. and worldwide viewed by people yeah and yes. that, that we have the right. we are capable right. we are like everyone else we right. can right. we have the talent to yeah. create this right so yes it is i want to be a voice for the latino community uh, on both aspects incredible thank you yes what do you believe your superpower to be if you, if you don't can if you can't think that you have one at this moment what superpower from any superhero would you select and why <laughs> well, you know, I'll say for me, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know what's a superpower, but I just, you know, I genuinely, I, I just genuinely like talking to people. I genuinely like, you know, uh, creating relationships, and I genuinely uh, listen and, and care, you know, what people have to say. And I'm just interested in hearing stories from people. I, I'm a storyteller, so I just, I like to hear what people have to say, or any mundane story, whatever happened. If you just went to the grocery store today and you know you told me whatever happened I'm, I'm curious I'm just curious right? right and so I think to me being able to have develop relationships with people and okay. just have a positive attitude and you know uh just generally care what people are saying okay. has opened up a lot of doors for me okay I, I, I you know and that's something that you know I, I people have told me and you know I just you know I, I get along with people I, I I don't try to you know create any drama you know, I just, you know, I, <laughs> I do go with the flow and, you know, I don't stress about things, you know, and I just, I, I always, I'm always looking to learn about people. I'm always open myself to learn. I, I'm always looking to learn anything, but not just about editing, just anything you can teach me. I will always genuinely welcome and, and soak it in because I love learning. That's and so, you know, I'm just very open-minded and, and, you know, just open to, to hearing things. And I think certainly one of the things that I teach in my mentorship program is try to teach that it's like hey like learn how to listen to people you know listen to people really you know kind of hear what they have to say you know you know don't overreact don't you know you know you know just try to maintain create a relationship with people 
and listen and have conversations, you know, and, and, and just be positive. Like, you know, we're, there's no reason for us, anyone to, to, to get upset and drama. Sure, we're going to have our moments, you know, and this and that. But, you know, just keep it cool, you know. Right, right. <laughs> relax, everyone, you know, you but know, relax, relax you know, and, and continue moving forward, right? And continue. And I just try to, you know, I try to, honestly, I do make an effort, I think, to spread that positivity and just, you know, like the, those good vibes and that energy. And I think, honestly, look, I, I do think that that has opened a lot of doors for me. I, I will that's, say that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we talked about success earlier. And uh, I think uh, we both agree that success changes and it's different for everybody in different stages of their life. But at this point, I want to ask you, what is your definition of success at this very moment for Joaquin Elizondo? Uh <sighs> Finding, um, uh, man, you, that's a deep question, huh? <laughs> uh, no, I think, you know, having, um, trying to be happy, uh, you know, having, having a good relationship with my family, my friends, uh, being, you know, creatively fulfilled at a job, um, being just health-wise, feeling good. I take care of my health a lot. Um, maintaining just a clear mind, you know, and, and, and finding a, solutions to problems and, and, and not, you know, stressing about the, the, the little things in life, you know, and, and, and it's just trying to keep positive. And so going back to the money situation, at no point am I mentioning money in this conversation, mm -hmm. because that's one thing that I learned. Sure, look, hey, I understand money. And I will, you know, I, we all love money and we need it. And I get it. But I did realize in my career, and, and I think going back to these jobs that I was not enjoying, you could not pay me enough to stay there. I mean, I had some jobs where I was like, they were paying me really good money. And I hated going there every day. You, I wanted to leave. So you, I, it was clear to me that money just was not, for me, was not providing happiness. Right. Uh, so now to me, it's just simply being, having freedom to work on, you know, the fact that I can work on one of my favorite shows before even I work on there, I mean, I already hit a home run. Like to me, it's like, that's my dream. I, right. I, I achieved my dream. Right. You know, I'm being, I'm doing love. I, I, I can say, I'm proud to say that I do what I love as work. I do what I love and there's nothing else I want to do. So to, awesome. that would be honestly success for me. Right, right. Before I ask the last question, I just thought of one question that I cannot let you go without answering. <laughs> and, and this is going to be one answer twofold. Uh, one in Spanish, one in English. Which are your favorite movies? One in Spanish and one in English. Because you're an editor, you're in the film business, so you know the audience has to know what you like and what actually influenced you when you were a young adult that you're like, oh my God, this movie and this is what I really enjoy and this is the type of story that I want to tell. And because we're bicultural, you and I, you know, you probably watch some movies that influenced you in Spanish and some movies that influenced you in English. So that's why the question yeah. is twofold. Totally. Yeah. Obviously it's, 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 you know, it's hard to very just, you know, say, I mean, I list this, in, you know, an immense list, right. But I'll just, I know that there's certain films throughout my life that I know had influenced me and have led me to this. Um, initially, you know, I'm going to, you know, Classic, you know, uh, what got me into cinema uh, early age was, you know, Star Wars, okay. uh, you know, all those big blockbuster films, E.T., Jaws. That is what initially struck a chord or, you know, a, a, a nerve and, 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 or whatever, like, uh, just got me into saying, I want to do this. Spark right? this your, your imagination. Spark my interest. Too, imagine, right? My imagination. Right. Um, I had a, have a huge affinity into now for the movie Halloween, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, that is, I think, one of my favorite films, uh, horror films and just films in general. Um, later in life, uh, when I was in high school, what really then I started seeing what cinema is and, and what editing and cinematography and all that is, were the movies by Martin Scorsese. Uh, Taxi Driver, I saw at a young age. Uh, it was introduced to me by a neighbor when I was living in Tijuana. He brought over his... VHS copy of Taxi Driver, and I was mesmerized by this film. Like, what the hell is this? What am I watching? Um, as you know, I was a kid. I was not supposed to watch that film. Uh, and then later on, watching Goodfellas and Casino, I, Martin Scorsese till this day is, and Thomas Schoolmaker, his uh, editor, one of the biggest influences on me. 
later in college when I was studying film, really studying into theory, I got into a lot of the French New Wave uh, feel, uh, films by Truffaut, uh, uh, you know, and Godard. But uh, given that I had such a strong interest in French New Wave films, when I watched Amores Perros and uh, Y Tu Mamá También, those films at that point in my life, Amores Perros y Tu Mamá También, which were so kind of, I felt were really kind of like with the very French New Wavey, Right. Um, it was like, you know, and, and the fact that they were made by Mexican filmmakers right. and had an amazing soundtrack and the cat, I mean, everything was like, man, this is like, I, you know. It was mind-boggling for you, like, dude, what I do. Because that, 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 that someone like, uh, someone that, you know, speaks my language has come from kind of where I come from is, is doing this mm-hmm. was just mind-boggling and I was obsessed with those films, I mean, even to this day. And now, now you, I, you know, now you get to work with Diego Luna, who's this part is of rad, the movie, really great. Right? So, who, who, who was in those movies that kind of influenced you? It's pretty nuts. Oh, right. So it's, that's it's oh my god. So that's that's kind of full circle for you right it's now. Nuts. Right. That's crazy. no. I, I I look. I look honestly. I still. I'll be honest. I still pinch myself. You know. I I. I that's what I do. Right. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I am. You know, I'm I'm watching this footage and I'm having decisions about what Diego Luna's performance is going to be or what right, another, right, you know, Michael Peña or, you know, right, Scoot McNary or whatever. Right, 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 and right. it's, and I'm working with this, you know, big Mexican film directors, like, you right. know, Alonso Ruiz Palacios, you know, Amad Escalante, and right. Andy Weiss, you know, from Colombia. I mean, it's just, I, I can't believe it. Right. You know, that's, that's cool. Thank you for sharing those experiences and those films. And for anybody that's interested in, you know, watching any of those films, you know, you can definitely go and, uh, that sometimes they're they're in Netflix and sometimes they're over in uh, uh, Amazon Prime or, or whatever. But you can definitely go go peruse through them. Uh, I encourage you to do that. This last question, I really enjoy this last question. Asking it of every guest, I want you to ambition yourself as you are right now, being able to travel back in time, and I want you to travel back in time into that young Joaquin Elizondo that is at the college campus of the University of Michigan, having mm-hmm. that meltdown stress, and you walk into the door and you have about two to three minutes with him, what would you share about two or three pieces of advice really quick with him before you disappear into your present? Listen to your grandma, man. Grandma knows what she's talking about. <laughs> grandma knows what she's talking about. You're like, grandma, here's man. a corner, buddy. Let's call your grandma right now. <laughs> call grandma. She has the answers, man. Because really, that's what it was. I mean, really, it is. It is. You know what? You're. You know, I would say, follow what is really gonna make you happy. And I think that's it. You know, it's interesting because these conversations that I've had now, and I don't know if it's something that's specifically to our Latino culture or Latinos. You know, that. I don't know, you know, this concept of following your heart and following what's going to make you happy. You know, we're, 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 we're so hard workers, right? We always are taught to work hard and we have to, we have to work harder than everyone else. And I just don't think that that's something that, that it's not a bad thing. You know, it's not like someone's consciously saying, don't do this. It's just that this kind of follow your passion thing. It's just not, I don't think it's ingrained in our culture. No, it's not. It is not ingrained in our culture. And so, you know, to be able to say that, you know, now think about it, because I've had these conversations now with many people. And so now to think about what my grandma said at that time, I mean, I, I I mean, I'm just like revolutionary, revolutionary for my grandma to say that. And so that was what really changed my life. One of the things, one of the things, one of the many things, but to now go back and think about it, that my grandma actually said that I can't believe it. It's just revolutionary. I have a way to put it. It's revolutionary. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so everyone out there, listen to your grandma. Listen <laughs> yeah. to your parents. Listen to your parents. That's you know, awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to acknowledge you, Joaquin Elizondo, for you know, for the hard work that you're doing, for representing yourself and for putting yourself out there among the Hollywood crowd. And even though you had some bad patches of no work for about a year in Hollywood, you're being successful doing what you love because you managed to follow your passion. You managed to follow your grandma's advice and continue moving forward. And now you're further 
allowing the next generation to come forward by your Hollywood mentoring editor program that you're doing and you're pushing forward the envelope by allowing other individuals to know that hey you have to follow your passion don't follow the money i want to thank the audience for listening to this episode with joaquin elizondo and myself please share the episode please subscribe to the channel and make comments about the episode and what you think i will i would leave the uh, connection via linkedin for joaquin elizondo as well as his website so please connect with him and reach out to him as well and let him know what you thought about the episode thank you so much this has been lazaro herrera for success innovation we'll see you next time bye-bye Thank you for finishing another fantastic episode with Success Innovation. Today we learned so much more about Joaquin Elizondo and how he managed to pivot at one point that dissolution which almost made him quit pursuing his dreams. Put into practice his abuelita's advice on how he wanted to succeed in life. Thank you Joaquin Elizondo for your time and conversation with me. This has been Lazaro Herrera for Success Innovation. I'll see you next time. Bye bye.